The Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all the usual social media outlets. Do your bit to support us on Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast, Twitter, Twitch and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Give us a like, share, subscribe and join our flourishing community of not just wrestling fans, but gamers, podcasters, musicians and more. Warning, the following podcast contains strong language which some listeners may find offensive. Welcome to another AEW Dynamite Review Untitled Wrestling Podcast action. We're acting like it's Friday when it's really only Wednesday, but it is Friday. See what it's up there. Well, it's actually Saturday. <laughs> peeling back the curtain there, exposing the business. Um, it's your boy, you know Big Tasty. Uh, it's your boy, Big Tasty. I'm here with Jay, as always. Aaron is in a pub somewhere, the Belland. So uh, yeah, he's meant to be moving house, but he's in a pub. Yeah, he said, "Oh, I can't, I can't do the podcast because I've got to move to my girlfriend's." And then, like, he's absolutely, and, and of course, gone the pub. He's lashed it all in the spare room, and he set the PlayStation up. He's lashed it all in the spare room, and he's gone the pub. Like proper, proper bloke moving in strategy. Proper scumbag behavior. So it is. I've got a pint of shandy. Life is good. It's a billion degrees outside. I've, I've, I've got, got spent the last. Of, I've got a pint of raspberry ribena. <laughs> I've got spent the last two hours in a dark room watching wrestling. Let's do it. Let's get on with it. Um, <laughs> life is good. Um, right. So we, we we start off with a with a cold open this week, and we have the pinnacle arriving in a limousine with a very hastily applied vinyl on the bonnet of the pinnacle's logo. Which, Jesus Christ, that had some creases in it. <laughs> I was gonna say there was at least two pieces that I could see, <laughs> but no, it's cool. Um, it's very, um, very attitude era. This like the cold open when someone gets out of a limo, um, and we'll get back yeah. to that because it goes even more attitude era. I think Jericho being on Stone Cold's podcast has like infected him with with, with like some sort of attitude era virus, and he's now doing like all the all of Austin's greatest hits. Anyway, yeah, we'll, come, we'll come we'll come to that in due time. Going full NWO Stone Cold, isn't? He? Uh, right, so then we get the Dynamite opening theme, and we kick off. One thing we don't get, we do not get Angelico's theme, which I'm so disappointed because it slaps. Um, Angelico's in the ring with Jack Evans and Matt Hardy already um, for his match against Christian Cage. Matt Hardy gets a very quick promo, saying how Christian's been jealous of him for 25 years. He's always been on, you know, he wants it behind him. He's, Matt Hardy's made more money than him. He's been more successful than him. This, that, and the other. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of don't really give a shit about my Hardy and Christian feuding in AW. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like done, it. We've it, done it, that one. Yeah, it, it makes sense for them to like. Now that they've both got to AW, it makes sense for them to have some sort of interaction because they because they know each other, don't they? So it'd be a bit weird yeah. if they if they both pretended like they didn't exist, like they'd never met before. That'd be a bit strange. Yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Uh, and it's leading to, and it's not necessarily the the. the, the Good thing they're doing, and you know, I, I, I'm not trying to um, poke fun at any other companies here, but they're not having them wrestle like six times in a row. That's very true. They're, not, they're finding they're Matt, Matt Hardy using Matt Hardy using his influence and his, his sort of reach and his client base to make Christian fight all these different people, which is his money, his money, his big fuck off bag of cash. Um, so yeah, the, the storyline for this is obviously um, TH2 are sort of like. 
goons for hire, basically, for Matt Hardy. And he, every time he wants some dirty work doing, he just gives him a big bag of cash and, and off they go. There is mercenaries, aren't they? Yeah. So he's basically offered um, Angelico a reward if he takes Christian out, basically, and says that he's going to end Christian's career. He's not going to, he's going to send, get, kick, get run him out of AEW. That, that Navarro Deathlock, man, it's, it's serious business. It's going to, uh, not fucking around. No. So yeah, so we get Christian versus Angelico, and ooh, this was a. I, I texted you before when I was watching it, and I said this is like the low key banger that I didn't know I needed. Yeah, these two had really good chemistry. Like mm-hmm. Angelico's one of the kind of unsung heroes, isn't he? Of um, he is AW, like he is the most underrated wrestler in AW, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment um, for sure. Um, yeah. He's- you're gonna say like like sort of three or four minutes of this match, he just does this mental move and he basically locks Christian in like a, an arm figure four. I I said I said to you uh, the night earlier on, um, I'll be disappointed if we don't get at least five minutes of leg locks that I've never seen before from Van Helico. And we did. We, um, we got that. <laughs> yeah, he basically put he starts like a like a spinning on like a spinning armbar with his with his like knees, and then he basically just ends up it, it's almost like a figure like a figure four armbar he puts him in, which is madness. Um, yeah, it's great. Um, so Angelico starts off on top, and I mean, so it's it's been a very sim- I mean I know Aaron doesn't doesn't like this, but it's been a very similar story to like a lot of Christian's matches in AW is that he starts off and he's not he, he gets he gets a bit of a body in for the first like couple oh. of minutes. They're telling the story in a very wise way in the sense that Christian hadn't wrestled for seven years. He's still kind of like... The story they're telling is he's still kind of shaking off that ring rust a bit. Yeah, and I like the way they book him. Like, he's like Rocky in a way. So, like, he's not like... He's not like the, the explosive guy who comes out and just knocks, takes you out straight away. But he's the guy who can go 10, 12, 15 minutes and he'll still be... He'll be as good and as fit and as, like, ready to go at the end of the match. So a lot of guys will just wear themselves out. It's, it's almost like the book. And, like, a lot of guys will just sort of, like, run their course against him and then he'll just use his experience and his pacing to come back into the match sort of late on. Yeah, a lot of a lot of his matches are pretty much him just soaking up the pressure and then being able to kind of overcome it. Yeah, and the best defense is to, to bend but not break, and obviously that's yeah. that's that's what he does. Um, a little bit uncomfortable. We get a we get a big diving headbutt, um, sort of halfway through the match, which made me squirm a little bit. Yeah, Christian on on Dan Helico. They even talk on commentary about like Jr. says that he wouldn't mind it being banned because you know Jr. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a, I, I, you saw the review, the replay, and it, it it looked like he did it as sort of as safely as possibly. He had his arms in front of him when he came down, so he sort of. I yeah. don't think his head hit anything too hard, which was which was all right. But it just makes it makes me squirm a bit in my seat when I when I see someone doing that, especially someone you know as old as Christian with with a history of injuries. Especially given it being like the day after the Dynamite Kid Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Man who literally headbutted all of his brains out. Um, yeah. yeah. So so after that we get um. So Christian sort of takes takes control then. Speaking of like earlier, we said that Matt Hardy had sort of like tasked Angelico to to sort of take Christian out, not just to beat him, but to like end his career almost. And that sort of yeah. played into the way that Angelico was wrestling. It was almost like he was being overly reckless a couple of times because he was trying to hurt him more than he needed to. Like there was a yeah. spot where he put Christian's arm on the rope, and instead of just like stomping on it, he went up to the top rope to try and like jump on it, and that let Christian was able to move out of the way and get back into the match. It was almost like he, Angelico was trying too hard because he knew he had to do more than win. Yeah. And that that was what gave Christian the way back in to take take him under the match. Um, so Christian ends it with a flying European uppercut, 
And then um, and Helico have been working on the arms to sort of try and negate the kill switch. And after a little bit of a struggle, Christian just about manages to get him twisted around, hits a kill switch. Uh, quite nicely, as he does it, he looks like directly at Matt Hardy, which is which yeah. is pretty cool. Some some good. Um, so there's a lot of good character work on, on the show tonight, and it started here. Mm. Um, and he, he hits the kill switch, picks up the win. Um, yeah, I re- I really like the fact that with the kill switch, uh, well, certainly in his last couple of matches. He's able to kind of like hit it out of nowhere, but also it make it look like it's a struggle for him to hit it. Yeah, because it, I mean, it looks like it legitimately would be hard to hit. You've got to grab a guy by the arms, mm. turn him around against his will, and then drop him on you. So it's I like that yeah. the, the, the sort of yeah, and people like people are like scouting it almost. So they're going for his arms, they're going for his shoulders to try and weaken him to the point where where he's going to struggle to hit it. Yeah, but he's still like he's still kind of hit it quite abruptly, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like you set up. It's not like a 30-second like spot. It was like literally five it's, seconds of him trying to trying to turn, trying to turn. And as soon as he did, he dropped it down, and then that was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's, he's really good at that, isn't he? Let's, let's be honest. Like He's really good at making it seem like, oh, yeah, he's not going to hit it, and then just, just hit, busting it out. Yeah. So after the match, uh, Jack Evans runs in, goes after Christian. Christian sort of brawls with him, knocks him out of the ring. As he turns around, Matt Hardy's there, drops him with a twist of faith. Um, and Helico crawls back in the ring and he sets him up for another twist of faith. Um, as he's about to hit it, Jungle Boy runs in, makes the save. Hardy does a runner and Jungle Boy's music plays. I oh, know Christian's music plays, sorry, as, as Christian's lying like dead oh. on the floor as Jungle Boy's like sort of shaking him. So is Christian in Jurassic Express because he's old as shit? <laughs> he's, good, he's, he's, a real, he's the real dinosaur. Because he's a dinosaur. <laughs> is, that, is that what they're going with? Um, no, I, I, I like this. I like the sort of. It's almost like a an uneasy alliance, isn't it, with Christian and Younger Boy? Yeah, and I, I mean, I mean, I love Jurassic Express, and everyone loves Jurassic Express. But if they're going to like sort of sideline them a they, bit to sort of pair Younger Boy with Christian to push Younger Boy as a singles wrestler, then I'm kind of okay with that as well. I mean, yeah, Jungle Boy doesn't need Jurassic Express, and to a degree, I don't think Luchasaurus needs Jungle Boy either. Yeah, like Marco. Marco's the only real member of Jurassic Express who'd probably be a bit directionless without Jurassic Express. I mean, I'd be interested to see some Jungle Boy Marco tag team matches. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah, we sorry, got a few, uh, didn't we? sorry, Luchasaurus tag and um, Marco's tag team matches. Yeah, I'd be interested to see a bit of that. I think that I think there's some play on there. Maybe on like Dark or Elevation or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the thing with Jurassic Express is that like no no disrespect to Marco because I think he's awesome, but. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are two wrestlers who really probably should be single stars, but they just happen to be a really good tag team. Yeah. Yep. Uh, right. So next up, we got a little, a little quick sort of rundown of what is looking like an absolutely stacked July for for AW. Um, They're doing um, that show at, um, in Miami, Andy Road Rager. Road Rager, which is their first live like on the road show <laughs> on the seventh of July. Because Fighter Fest's no longer a funny meme; it's a bit out of date. Yeah, but they're doing Fighter Fest as well. Yeah, that's true. So they're doing Jungle. Uh, they're doing Road Rager on the seventh. They're doing Fighter Fest two nights on the fourteenth and the twenty-first, and then Fight for the Fall on the twenty-eighth. So every Wednesday in July, we have a special banquet. Gonna be like the pay-per-view quality. Didn't they do that last year where they did Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fall back to back? Yes, they did. They did Fighter Fest in two, two over two weeks, and then they did Fight for the Fall. Yeah. If I remember. Yeah, because um, oh, fuck, I can't remember who it was. Now. Some somebody who was important to a tag match was I think could have been a member of FTR. 
got COVID, didn't he? So yes, he had yeah. to put it back two weeks. Quite possibly. Um, so next up, we got a special announcement. Uh, Tony's out in the ring to announce that next week, QT Marshall and Aaron Solo will face Cody and making his AEW debut, Brock Anderson. He, he literally has all the dad energy that his dad has. I mean, he's and definitely... He's, probably about, he's like 21, isn't he? He's definitely, no, he's definitely in Anderson because he looks about 45. Yeah, and he's got he's got his t-shirt tucked into his uh, his khaki shorts. He's got his little loafers on. Bless him. Yeah. So then we have um, looks like Arn on Nitro on episode the Nitro. He looks like Arn, but if you use like the Marvel like de aging software to like make him look younger, looks like Arn. If you use that <laughs> software from Tron, where they made Jeff Bridges like <laughs> Jeff Bridges from the eighties. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Cody bigs him up. Um, he said, you know. Obviously, he, he references that he draws the parallels between himself and, and Dusty and uh, Brock and, and Arn, saying, you know, obviously he had a lot to learn from his dad. He reckons that Arn, Brock right. did this. Right. Uh, I've got a legitimate question here. It's going to seem like it's me just, like, taking a shot at Cody, because it always probably does. But <laughs> why is Cody acting like Dusty was in the four, four Horsemen? Maybe he thinks he was. I don't know. Dusty said in his Hall of Fame speech, he got Arn and Ric Flair and JJ Dillon to hold up the, the four to induct him in the whole the four horsemen. But like Cody's whole, whole thing is he keeps acting like Dusty was like Ric Flair essentially. Yeah. When Dusty was like the nemesis of the, the four horsemen, he was the guy they were all trying to take out. Yeah, but I think you know there was, they're, they're sort of like intrinsically linked, aren't they? So the whole sort of Cody secretly wants it to be 1987, doesn't he? That's, yeah. that's the that's the that's where we're going here. Cody wants all of reality to just be Stranger Things. Let, let's let yeah. I'm surprised he's not coming out to some synth wave or something. <laughs> um, let let's let's move on to what came of this because Cody kind of like solidifies it being 1987. So then we get quality television, Marshall out. Um, the, the, the biggest ratings drawer in the company. He gained a hundred thousand viewers last week for his segment. Did he actually? Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's weirdly consistently in always in some of the highest rated segments on Dynamite, and I have no idea why. It's like it's just big mum energy. He just does all the mums is, tuning in for QT Marshall. Is it because he looks a bit like um, Charlie Sheen if he let himself go more than? He has? All I'm saying is a lot of people watching probably need new cars, and they maybe think that he's going to sort it out for. Is it because they think they're watching Two and a Half Men when QT Marshall comes out? They just see it. They just see a slightly like dad body sort of guy in like a bowling shirt. And they, just to, think, they, to, they, just, they think it's the Sopranos. And they just watch it ten minutes and like, oh, I actually, mean, no to way be to fair, go. you say I say two and a half men, and you look at his faction. He's got Nick Camarato and Anthony Agogo, and then Aaron Solo. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that, is, that is literally two and a half men, isn't it? So mm. Aaron so, Solo is a great wrestler. I should be I should be taking the piss out of him. So Cutie Marsh comes out and spits some absolute truth. He basically says. Um, He's had enough of these vanity projects, all this nepotism from Cody. He asks Brock, it, it, like... I was sat there going, QT is like a heel that makes really good points, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's calling Cody out for basically... Yeah, it, it is a vanity project. And then he's saying to Brock, like, oh, Brock, you know, how's it going? Do you want some pyro for your entrance? Do you want to, like, come down out the ceiling? You know, do you want this big, like, show and dance? Um... So yeah, he's basically making a really good point. Like when people like, um, for example, Ty Conti can't get booked on Dynamite, and like here you are with Arn Anderson's son on a yeah 
you've got Cody coming out and cutting a fucking 15 minute promo with his yeah. own entrance way because we're back to the fucking old stage again um, and it's like fucking three entrance themes and I'm just basically trying to fucking thinking he's dusty but he's really Jeff Jarrett in TNA yeah so then he, tells, he says to Cody like what makes him is the fans so therefore he wants it to be a full house on the road when he whoops his ass so when they go back to on the road, full crowds, he's going to have a South Beach strap match, which I'm guessing is just a strap match in Southern Florida. Yeah, it's in Miami, isn't it? Yeah, so then we get like the most dad energy part of the show where Cody and Cutie Marshall both take their belts off. <laughs> Cutie Marshall whipped on like he fucking didn't pay him for one of his cars. <laughs> like he missed a payment on the on his fucking... <laughs> Cody and Cutie Marshall start posturing like, Dad's in a dad's in the pub car bar going up outside of a fight. QT Marshall whipped arm like on like he missed a payment on a sedan. <laughs> yeah, and then Brock with a pretty decent tackle. And um I'm I'm pissed off Brock didn't hit a spine buster. I know they're saving it for next week. Yeah, and better punches than that Dark Order guy had a few years back. Um definitely yeah. on um on QT. They look like real good punching. And then the refs all come out and separate them. Um so yeah, decent, decent enough. I mean, it's setting up for for the big match um, down the way, which is which is fine. You know, it was it wasn't offensive. I, mean, I think for a, for a Cody segment, it moved quite briskly as well, which was quite nice. Yeah, it's still. I think I, I mean I'm 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 sick of Cody. Like I am really sick of Cody. But I think I think when he finally takes like a, a month or two off to kind of like be a dad. I think, I think I think Cody in front of an on the road crowd will reinvigorate him a bit as well. Yeah, I, I think I, I mean for me, I think uh, he just needs to kind of like take a bit of time off. And when, with, Cody, with, starting... with, well, with Cody, it's all about perception. So with the crowd are buying it, I think it works yeah. a lot better. Otherwise, it feels a bit sort of aggrandizing. Whereas when you get him in front but of a you... hot crowd, I think it, it works a lot more. Yeah, but even like look at look at it, it was a double or nothing or the go home dynamite where they had like half the fans were booing Cody because they're sick of his shit. Yeah. And half the fans were cheering him. And you can't say, oh, well, half the fans are British because there's travel restrictions. So that's not just simply not the case. Um, I, I think... I, I think whenever Cody takes time off for a period and then comes back, he, he gets, like, kind of that, like, reinvigoration. He, the, fan, the fans, like kind of warm to him again they're glad to see him but like when the way he's being at the moment and as as QT Marshall pretty much hit the nail on the head it is very much like a sort of self-aggrandizing thing it's very sort of like a vanity project I think it's because it's he's, he's only got like one 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 shot hasn't he he's got one he's got one track I mean he plays it very well but he's got one track yeah I think I think he was very foolish in hindsight like doing the whole oh yeah well if I lose my first ever AW title match I'll never challenge for it again because now it's like we get we get this fucking like Cody fucking soap opera instead and it's a bit like well I mean you could have, you could have actually just like had yourself like go in the title picture and the fans maybe wouldn't be like so sick of it yeah I, I get your point that's a, that's a good point well made um, so speaking of good things um, next up we have a bit of Death Triangle um, we, get some yes, bang, we, get, we get that banging Death Triangle entrance music and then we get Eddie Kingston so it's going to be Death Triangle and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler 
Um, I, I hate what they're doing with Brandon Cutler at the moment because he's such a good wrestler. I hate it, kind of, but I also kind of love it because... I, li- I like it because like they're, they're explaining it away on being the elite where he's like, he hates what he's having to do. Like when he when he did the thing on being the elite where he hits Pac with the camera and then he's like running away going, I'm sorry, <laughs> Pac, I didn't want to do this. When, when, Matt's, like, when, when Matt's like lying down on the mat at the end and he's, he's pointing at him, you did good, you did good. And he's like, I didn't want to do it, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, was, it was incredible. Yeah, at the, at the same time, like Brandon Cutler is a really good wrestler, yeah. and he's he's another one like Angelico, who's like a real hidden gem in AEW. So early on in this match, um, we get a bit of a double. Th- so uh, Death Triangle starts like a house on fire. Um, oh, there's a little there's a little promo as they make the entrance. Uh, Death Triangle, it's, it's the, the classic like, um, can they coexist? So like Penta, I texted you and said Penta's kind of like the kid caught up in the divorce here because like he, yeah. does, he doesn't really mind Eddie Kingston. He's like kind of okay with him. Pack hates him with a burning passion. You can tell by his body language, yeah, which is crazy because Eddie Kingston um, said on the road to Dynamite this week that when Pack first came to the USA, uh, he put Pack up. Yeah, yeah, but then he That's stole it. his mates off him, didn't he? And tried to steal his mates off him in, in AW. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so pack eight, no. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not like that sort of like will they like Eddie Kingston seem? It's all it seems to be all on pack because Eddie Kingston seems to be quite amicable. Penta doesn't care. Yeah, and pack seems Ed, to hate Eddie him. King, Eddie Kingston's whole like ethos though is like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So he he he's he's like basically his his gimmick at the moment is. I need to unite the locker room to make sure these fuckers don't basically do what what uh, the NWO does the WCW. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so early on in this match, we get some like so Death Triangle starts out like a house on fire. We get a double team on Brandon Cutler. Pack holds him up for the um, for the was up, and uh, Penta comes off the top rope and just deletes his balls with a dropkick. Yeah. Like fucking terminates him, uh, and then and, and then you set me if you have <laughs> Pentagon just booting you in the testes. <laughs> the first like sort of five minutes of this match is just like escalating levels of shit for Brandon Cutler. So, so he's in the he's in the ring with Penta, and then Penta tags in Eddie Kingston, and then Eddie Kingston batters him, and then Eddie Kingston gets blind tagged in by Pack, and then Pack comes in and Pack batters him. <laughs> I loved, just, I loved on the entrance because it was the the entrance was literally the young books doing their entrance with Brandon Cutler filming it for BT. Yeah, and uh, as he gets in the ring, he accidentally backs into Pack, and Pack looked like he was going to kill him. <laughs> Pack like chased him away. He's like, sorry, sorry. So after Pack batters him, he's like, he's like broken. Pack just literally just picks him up and just throws him into the books corner, which is brilliant. <laughs> and just looks looks at the books is like, come on then, let's have you. It, this was prime like. Absolute asshole pack it was brilliant. Again, I said it before, like great character a lot of great character work on the show. Uh, pack pack looked like a fucking psychopath in this match. It was great. Yeah. That's it. He did he did the uh, young Wooks pose at one point as well, which was fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was that was really good. He did it. Uh, what he did, he did the um the the, the um the cartwheels rock kick, didn't he? First. Yeah. And then he did then after that he hit the but he hit the pose, which was quite nice. Um, yeah, so a lot of re- this is—I mean, this is a fantastic match. It was really entertaining. It wasn't like a—it it felt like a bit more story service than a typical Young Bucks match. In a way, it was less interested in being a great wrestling match, but managed to be a better match than the match they had last week. Yeah, it, w- it was all about like the story, wasn't it? Of like, can Eddie Kingston and Death Triangle coexist after all they've been through? And can and- the Bucks sort of protect Cutler in this match because he was very much positioned as the weak link. In, yeah. in this in the team. Yeah. Um yeah, they, they did they did some like excellent storytelling without you being hit 
being able to hear what they were actually saying as well, which is very hard to do because like you look I can't, at, I can't wait for the BTA, you know, when you get the, the ringside sort of camera yeah. for this. That that would be that'd be really insane. Yeah, like you you look to to the point I'm making about like them you're not being able to hear like what they were saying. Like you look at um the best storytelling in WWE at the moment's Roman Reigns. And the reason it's so good is because you can hear every single word that Roman's saying to people as he's mm. beating the shit out of them. Yeah. And you can hear him like admonishing people as he's like destroying them. And the books managed to do what that like pretty much do that. I say the books, it wasn't just the books, it was like Eddie Kingston, Park, Pentagon, Brandon Cole. Everyone played their part to perfection in this match. Yeah, the, it, the body language was spot on. Like everyone's, yeah, everyone's like our mannerisms they, were perfect. They managed to do it without you being able to hear a single word that came out the mouth, which is very hard to do. And they did it to perfection. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Kingston gets a big tag in halfway through. Gets the um, just like a, it's like a hesitation. So Pac's like not quite sure. And Kingston's like, nah, man, come on, tell me, tell me. And so eventually Pac tags him in. Uh, he comes yeah. in, uh, batters everyone basically. Um, there's a lovely bit. He, he, at one point, Brandon Cutler's in the ring, and, and Brandon Cutler and Eddie just like deletes him with um with a backfist of the future. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he, he just wipes him out of existence. And that was great. Then hit, hit um, him so so hard, you thought Thanos had snapped his fucking fingers, <laughs> turned him back into a dragon. <laughs> um, so then the books accidentally double super kick him. Then Penta comes in and murders both the books until Cutler trips him up. Then they're outside. Nick goes for like the punk kick off the apron. Accidentally just nails. Cutler eats some fucking shit in this match. I hope he got paid yeah. for this. Like, yeah, two con two contract. Cutler had a shit Friday night. Like, he just got the piss beat out of him for like fifteen minutes. Um, th- there was a really really nice spot where Pack was about to dive on the books, and Eddie stops him, and they do it together. And it was the first like real sign of unity between them as a team, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah, that was um, a terrifying sight of Eddie Kingston coming through the middle rope. So <laughs> you. Uh, Penta hits that lovely um, Topicon hero as well, where he does like the, the sort of jump up the ropes and the senton off it. Oh, it was really nice. Yeah, Eddie Kingston uh, on that um, road to Dynamite. On, like, you, you, for anyone who hasn't seen it, he does like a it's like a five six minute promo where he's talking about like his history with Pac and Penta and. He basically says Pentagon's the best wrestler in the world at the moment, and he makes so many valid points. And I'm like, I was watching that going, Pentagon really is like the best wrestler in the world. He's so good. He can do everything. He can brawl. He can. He does technical stuff. Yeah. He can uh, fly if he needs to. He's just excellent. When Phoenix isn't around, his high flying looks great as well. Like, it's just, yeah, he, like he, I, he I think rec- Phoenix- you, don't, you, you don't recognize his high flying a lot because he's normally next to Phoenix, and like obviously Phoenix is. She had some sort of cheat mode, but yeah, I think I think the thing with Pentagon is he gets overshadowed by Phoenix because Phoenix can do like all these like ridiculous high flying things, and Pence is a bit more of the sort of like blood and guts of the two. Yeah, like he's the, he's the gritty and he's the sort of like get, does all the dirty work. He gets all the blood on his hands while Phoenix is doing all the amazing like high flying stuff. And when you like the, the there's the argument there of which one's better, and I think I think it's a it's a hard choice. But for me, I think, it's it, I think it, it depends what you're in the mood for. 
I think they're yeah. both fantastic at what they do. Uh, I I the, lean a bit more. I lean a bit more towards Penta because I like I like the sort of dark arse shit he does. He does like the dirty bits. Yeah. Doesn't he? he does like you know. I like I like. Those that. are breaking people's arms. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever seen season one of Drone Around, you're you're Penta for life. You know, it's there's yeah. no there's no denying it. Um, even season four where he's like the champion for half of it, and then he's chasing afterwards, like yeah. chasing it afterwards. It's like oh, it's just top notch. Um, so yeah, so Eddie Kingston gets a nice little couple of moments here. So he gets in. Uh, Nick tries to like, like basically just punch him in the face, and it doesn't really work. Then um, <laughs> he just leathers Nick. Uh, gets wiped out by a clothesline eventually. Um, Pack again. They they, they, re, they sort of recycle this spot from from the triple threat match. Uh, Pack hits the black arrow on Matt. Hits him in the brutalizer. Nick runs in and just kicks him in the face, and Pack just doesn't break it. I, I love I love that that like um, sort of. He's kind of like a pit bull that's locked its jaws. Yeah. The way, Nick, the way Nick, just, Nick just kicks him and Pac doesn't break it. And then you see like, the, the panic come on Nick's face and he just starts kicking yeah. him like furiously in the head trying to break it up. I, yeah, what was weird with that was that Pac only broke it when Eddie Kingston came in. So it's like, help him. Yeah. And then he saw Eddie was in peril. So he just broke it to help Eddie. It was like, what, you're, you're about to win the match, Pac. Why didn't you just keep the fucking brutalizing on and let Eddie just get the shit beaten out of him by, by Nick? You hate him anyway. That was my only gripe with the... Uh, the storytelling in that match, but then you could all you could almost say that like him, um, him kind of going to Eddie's aid had shown that they'd kind of developed a bit of a respect for one another. Yeah, and then so there's another bit where Pack towards the end where Pack's on the top rope and he's sort of like biding his time. Matt's on the floor, and like I mean it was it was a little it was a little hackneyed. You felt like you're waiting for everyone to get into position in a way, but then when it all clicked in, it was great. So Pack gets up on top on the top rope, Matt's on the floor, Nick's running across the apron to, to boot Pack off the off the apron off the top rope, and then Eddie just comes out of nowhere and just cleans Nick off the apron. Yeah, <laughs> which looked lovely, and that was just before the the stereo dives, I think. Mm. This is. This is surely leading us to blood and guts, isn't it? Oh, you think so? Especially with what happened after the show as well. After yeah, the, after like, the match. Um, you've got because you've got the elite. Then you don't even need mocks for it at this point because you could have the elite death triangle. Um, Eddie and um Kazarian. Punish Kazarian. Yeah, elite hunter Kazarian. Um, yeah. So then into the finish, we get um. So obviously, while this is all happening, you, you, you watch the whole time you're watching this match. You're thinking, right? Well, surely Cut was here to eat the pin, like because they're not going to have the books get pinned because of the books. And he keeps getting like wiped off the ring, and you're like, hang on, how's this? How's this going to end? Are the, are the books going over here? What's 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 happening? But then, no, as as it happens, um, Brandon Cutler comes in for a big springboard elbow drop on Park misses. Um, that's that's when Eddie comes in and just clocks him with the back fist. Yeah. Um, and then, then Pack doesn't even hit a movie he just pins him because he's fucking dead <laughs> he, he hit him so hard he went back to medieval times yeah what the restaurant he thought he thought he was really in D&D <laughs> he thought D&D was really got hit that hard um, <laughs> yeah and there we go Pack, Pack covers the, the prone body of Cutler for the win um, really really fun match not like not necessarily like a five star technical classic it was a little bit hectic at times but in a but in a really good way yeah yeah, it was um as I say, like the the main story was like Eddie kind of 
showing us kind of it was show, Eddie, it showing, was Eddie, that, showing it was the Eddie death triangle to, can trust them. Well, yeah, it was Eddie trying to win the trust of Pac because right at the end when um when Pac was on the top rope and Eddie was like motioning to him saying, "Don't worry, I've got this. You stay there. I'll I'll clean. I'll sort everyone else out. You just hit that move." And Pac was uh, after after a while he, he went from like the sort of hesitant tag at the start to like trusting him a bit more towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then obviously after the match, we get the Good Brothers come and attack everyone. Yeah, so the the, the Bucks attack at the first start, and then the, the Good Brothers come in. Um, Doc uh, Gallows wearing his best um, Kerrigan um, themed tie dye t shirt. Oh, Ga- Gallows is such a fucking carny, isn't he? Yeah, he's he thinks, such a fucking carny. He, he thinks a menagerie's come to uh, come to AW. <laughs> I, I really I really want Gallows to bring Noctista to AEW. That's all I want. <laughs> You've got Which Rebel, mate. Yeah, but, you know, Mike Knox basically cosplaying as Batista. It's just the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, the Bucks and the, the Good Brothers are on the attack. And then, yeah, as you say, Elite Hunter punished Frankie Kazarian comes out looking like Hawkeye at the start of Endgame. He was, was it? <laughs> like going off to go kill some more bosses after this. I was waiting for to go kill some Yakuza. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, Kaz clears the ring. Um, and then as 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 he's like sort of cleared the ring, Eddie's like, "Hang on, why don't we hit Brandon Cutler? Because he's right there." Yeah. And then so Kaz Kaz wipes him out as well. Um, so yeah, we're seeing the sort of like coming together of like you say of these of the, all these guys who like oppose the elite now. So you've got obviously you've, as you say you've got Death Triangle, you've got Kingston, you've got Cars, you've got Mox if he's around. And it's like it feels like this is this is sort of laying the foundations for like the downfall of the elite. Is that they're, they're building up. They're they're writing, yeah. these, they're writing all these checks now that their asses can't cash and they're, they're piling up. Yeah, I, I get I get the impression that like it's all gonna kind of culminate in everyone there. Like like WCW NWO essentially. So um I think Eddie's going to be kind of like the leader of the anti, like ba- basically DDP's role mm. in that sort of storyline. And he's going to kind of, he's going to end up bringing Hangman in as like the sting role where he's going to be the guy who finally topples the the house of cards. Yeah. Um, and it's it, the storytelling. This is just phenomenal. Like, even to the point where Eddie Kingston in his promos keeps saying, like, why isn't anyone in the locker room doing anything about this? And, yeah, I think I think when we finally get, like, as I say, I, I personally think we're probably going to get blood and guts out of this. Um, you got to go all the way till next year, or do you think? No, I think they're going to do it at the end of the summer. I think like, they'll probably... Like, all, they, out, all out sort of time, or...? Um, yeah, or... I mean, they might even do the first episode of the Rampage to get like a big hook. Yeah, I mean, all out like start of September, isn't it? So that's not too far away. Fifth of September, all out of yeah. So that that's yeah, that's, that's one that's a possibility. Um, speaking of speaking of pay per views, we had a quick. Was this when we had the, the Kenny Don double or nothing? Yeah. I, the... I, I I didn't quite. This didn't. I didn't. I don't think I quite understood this. I think I only. I think I missed a bit of it. That was really important. <laughs> It was the recap of like Kenny basically doing his conspiracy theory. That, that's yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I, re- I really liked how they edited the um, the fan chance of "fuck you, Don" to "thank you, Don." That was fucking brilliant. <laughs> that was absolutely <laughs> excellent. But what what were they trying to what were they trying to infer? I I think it's just kind of like their like revisionist history, isn't it? 
Because they said um, they, were, they were trying to, they, they got caught out later that they were trying to infer the Jungle Boy had something to do with the main event. Um, no, I think I, I, when they kind of like say, oh yeah, like Jungle Boy's Tony Khan's next like sort of person that he's going to try and put like use to get the belt off Kenny. Yeah, they, they the, called it. They called the it. Store, a, they called it a conspiracy, which was yeah, quite nice. The, yeah, the, basically the story is that um, the the story of it is yeah um, that Tony, Tony Khan's trying to take the belt off Kenny uh, any way he can is what yeah. Don Carlos is saying. Fair enough. And he's doing he's doing everything to kind of get the belt away from from Kenny and the elite. Yeah, I mean it was it was fun. I mean I like I like weird, crazy, paranoid Uncle Don Callis. I think that's uh... yeah. I think I think the way the way we're going with it is that Kenny's gonna like kind of Kenny's gonna be his own undoing, where he's getting more and more paranoid and more sort of like he's sort of like tying himself in knots, isn't he? Sort of like just sort of twisting yeah. himself out of shape, and and yeah, it's all gonna it's all gonna get to a point where he's gonna he's gonna drive everyone away or something, and he's gonna be by himself with all his belts. It's gonna be all he's got left, and then they're gonna get stripped yeah. away from him, and he's just gonna have this total downfall. It, it's very similar to um, like Sami Zayn's character at the moment, where he's saying there's like a conspiracy against them, but in reality, it's his own bad decisions that are causing him to have all these problems. But he's obviously, thinking, whereas, obviously, oh no, it's this person, it's this person. Obviously, Kenny's doing the same thing the books are doing. He's ra- he's racking up all these enemies because of how he's behaving and how he's sort of acting in matches. And yeah, it's only natural that he feels like everyone's against him because he's he is turning the entire locker room against him. So yeah, Ken- Kenny's very much like the Hogan in the NWO, isn't he? Yeah, like he's he's when Hogan was like leading the NWO, he, he got so many enemies and then he turned the NWO against himself and he had more enemies and it was, Kenny's very much like that, but a bit more like, bit with a bit, little bit of a sort of like smattering of um, WCW Rick Flair as well, where he was just a lunatic. Yeah, right. So talking about really good promos, then we have the Pinnacle. Uh, the first time we hear from the Pinnacle since, um, since their loss at Stadium Stampede. And I liked a couple of things about this. One, I, I really liked the way they used the camera. So the mm. camera was almost static for the entire thing, and, and the, yeah, and they like, all stepped into shot. Yeah, they all just, it was almost like it was like a Wu Tang Clan song, but in a promo form. So they all stepped in, dropped yeah. the verse, and then just moved out. And then someone else came in, which yeah. was quite nice. So it started out with um, with FTR, and they talk. Obviously, they're, they're all addressing their opposite numbers. Uh, FTR are talking about Santana Ortiz, saying how they're not all that different. However, you know the differences that they've won the titles. Santana Ortiz. I, I like this. I like this sort of little seed they're planting that, that Santana and Ortiz haven't won the tag team titles, which makes you think that they're pushing them in that direction eventually. By bringing yeah, it up, by bringing I, it up, it gives me hope that they might be putting them towards. A- so, so what's interesting is um, we spoke about this on the news podcast. The the rate the rankings for AEW in that. FTR and Proud and Powerful are slowly creeping up. Yeah, I, I, I can honestly, because I don't think there's a massive rush to do all these matches at the same time. I would be perfectly happy if over the next sort of weeks or so, you had FTR and Proud and Powerful rise to the top two positions in the rankings, and then you make their, their big match, you make it a number one contenders match. Yeah, or the other thing is that um, that you could do is have Proud and Powerful face the books, FTR cost them and then FTR face the books and take the belts off back off the books and then yeah. do the rematch between Proud and Powerful and FTR. 
Oh, just, just put the belts on a hell and proud and powerful, mate, because uh, I really want, I really I, want I, to win it. <laughs> I, I feel like proud and powerful are going to be the people to take the belts off the books. Yeah. If, it, if not the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Um, some really good bits in this, though. So, like, um, Dax talks about, like, how he's got a family, he's got a wife, he's got a kid, and he needs to, like, he needs to take the, he needs to take money off off proud and powerful's table. He needs to take food off their family so that he can fill up his bank account. He can earn you know he can earn enough money to support his family. And then Cash comes in and he's like, "I've got a family. I don't give a shit about your family." To proud and powerful, <laughs> which is quite nice. Um, and they say that they've built their legacy themselves, uh, whereas Santana and Ortiz are content just being a footnote on somebody else's legacy. Again, there's this sort of um, not entirely untrue. Um, sort of vibe from the pinnacle that they regard the inner circle as like a vehicle for Jericho when everyone else is just sort of helping them out, and that's how they present. Mm. So that's how they present it to the members Which, of the inner circle. It's true. It is true. Yeah. Um, um, then I Sean's. Love, oh, go on. Oh, you you go to Spears. I was going to yeah, say. No, I no, love, you, you you did Spears then. Go on. I love the intensity of Spears in yeah. this. This is this is exactly so. I was when I was watching this, the first thing I thought was. They should have done this with Sean Spears in the feud with Cody. You should. He may like he didn't need to win that feud. I feel like Cody could have got got the win, but he should have like went on with that that intensity instead of being a bit more like a sort of like punchline to people jokes, yeah. which is what they did for like a year with him. Instead of getting his bare ass spanked by Dustin. Yeah, and having fucking undies with Tully's face on. Um, th- this was this was like. Like Sean Spears for me was like low key the fucking MVP of this. Like when when Tully, when Tully gave him the glove, yeah. Like that should have been his like Derek Bateman moment. Mm. You know, it's like, like a Derek Bateman. Do you mean Patrick Bateman? Patrick Bateman, not not the one off, not uh, EC three. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he should have been EC three. It's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah um, that, that should have been his Patrick no, Bateman moment. That should def- have been his def- like definitely not Jason Bateman. Um, definitely not. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind a bit of Jason Bateman. Just, just Michael from him, Arrested Development. <laughs> just going around with Ron Howard there. I also, I, I also like. I'll also accept Jason Bateman as the cool dad in Juno as well. Absolutely. Just, just any Jason Bateman. He's the best. Yeah. Um, so, so Sean Spears go, literally just goes off, um, like crazy eyed down the camera. He's saying that Sammy is not a hero. He's just a glorified indie wrestler because he does stupid moves. He takes stupid risks. And he said he, call, he says that the pinnacle of what professionals look like. And then Tully has to like sort of drag him to one side and calm him down because he's yeah. he's, he's gotten a bit worked up. God bless him. I, I, he'll, I, he'll, I love he'll, as well he'll, that he'll sleep, he'll sleep well tonight. Like, I, I love as well that Tully's starting to like get scared of Spears. Yeah, like he's gen he's genuinely like scared that Spears is gonna like get them in tr- in like serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Again, like I said, character work. It's it's been great across the board today. Character work was fantastic. Um, yeah. on the show. Sh- Sean Spears, as I say, Sean Spears should have been doing this gimmick for like the last year. Like yeah, he, he seems like a threat now for like the first time ever. Which he, is yeah, he, he's genuinely a compelling character now. Whereas when they had him just appearing and doing shit and having having the fucking Dustin whip him with a belt while he was wearing undies with Tully's face on. We're just like, what What are you doing with him? Like, he, he's meant to have left WWE for greener pastures here, and he's, like, literally doing worse shit in AEW than he was in WWE. And now it's like, okay, now now you're, now you mean something. Now you're an important, car- like, piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, next up, we had uh, Stupid Sexy Wardlow. Stupid Sexy Wardlow. 
uh, to him and talk about Jake Hager. Says that Hager's obsessed with him because obviously he knows Hager knows that every time they fight, Wardlow brings out the best in Hager. He said he's invited him to his comfort zone, into his world, knowing that he can never beat him in a, in a wrestling ring. The Wardlow says it doesn't matter whether he's in a ring, a freezer, a football field, an octagon. You'll beat him wherever. You say, I'm, when I'm you genuinely see... really excited for that match. Yes, weirdly so am I. Um, I really can't, kind of can't wait. Um, Wardlow, it, when, when you're standing across from Wardlow, you're in Wardlow's world. I was like, Oof. Yeah. Oof. So when when um, when Troy and Aaron and Courtney came down to Liverpool a couple of weeks ago, we were watching an old episode of Raw, and it had the Lions then match on. I was like thinking before. Um, I, I hope that's what they do with this. Like they, they do the actual Lions then. Yeah. Just have like a little octagon at the ringside area. I think they'll I think they'll either pre-film it or they'll have a, a setup um octagon somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, obviously he accepts the match and next week we're gonna have um Jake Hager versus Wardlow in an MMA match. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, then it's it, it's it's time for Daddy MJ, MJF steps up. And I, I love the sort of the juxtaposition and how he sort of like deviates from the, from everyone else. It's almost like he's on he's on like a, a different wavelength, almost like mentally, to everyone else. Yeah. So he says everyone else is angry, so but he's tired. He's tired of people telling him he's got something to prove when he's already the best. And then he sort of rips the fans and says they'll never know the pressure because they're not the best at anything. And, he's, yeah. and, and, and then he tells a really cool story about how how he idolized Jericho growing up. And that when he got to, he read all his match, watched all his matches, read all his books, you know, watched all his promos, and they said at 2017, 2019, sorry, when uh, they were at the Double or Nothing rally, it's obviously the first AW pay per view under the yeah. AW running. Um, when they were, when he was done with his press, Jericho walked past him, and you know, he said he 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 was he couldn't catch his breath. His heart was beating dead fast. He had the all his adrenaline was pumping because he knew that he was going to be able to work with Chris Jericho. You know tag with him, wrestle with him, a man who he respected, who he'd idolized growing up. Um, and then he said, it should have been a dream come true, but it wasn't. And he realized that he'd idolized the false god. Jericho was just like everybody else. He wasn't on his level. I mean, this is really good. It was just MJF using his like legitimate experience as a fan and turning it into a, into a wrestling angle, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I like, I really like the fact as well that like MJF's whole thing was don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Because they'll disappoint you. Like that was. Yeah, it's, that, it's like, it's like yeah, really... I just idolized Jericho, and then I worked with him and met him, and I realized he's not as good as me. So, so what's the point? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think. So, I, I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but that's the whole point of the podcast. We have a discussion and we talk about this. But do you feel like MJF needs the belt right now? I belt or the belt? The belt. What, the, the world title? The world title. No, I feel like he, I, he, will I at feel, some, he, he will at some point. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the one thing that's missing for the pinnacle, because they are, like, we were comparing the Elite to the NWO, and, like, obviously, AEW has so many, like, sort of comparisons to WCW, um, and obviously the pinnacle of the Four Horsemen. Yeah. And I, I feel like MJF's getting to the point where the way to kind of elevate the pinnacle would be to put the titles with, like, give them, like, a lot of the belts. Like, FDR, I feel like, need the tag titles to feel a bit more important. I mean, do, like, F the, um, like, do what the other three they did the other year in NXT. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Wardlow or Spears need the TNT title. I feel like, I feel like just 
the, the important one is that MJF needs the world title for me right now, just because I feel I feel like this feud the more important one of what like the elite are doing. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like they've sort of um, booked not booked themselves to a corner, but they put themselves in a, in a sort of weird position where you've got a heel faction that's got the two main belts. If you consider the two main mm. belts to be the tag belts and the, and the world title, and you can't go from one heel faction with the two main belts to another heel faction with the two main belts, like there yeah, has to be I, there has to be a breather, like there has to for the fans. Yeah, there has to be you, I, have I to, feel... you have to you have to have the hangman moment and whoever else. Um, I, I think Hangman will win the belt, and MJF will probably like win it straight off him. Yeah, just give Hangman, Hangman, ha- give Hangman the mega pop. Having, I mean, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd even say at this point, uh, put on Hangman at all out. Yeah, I, I, I said that to Troy the other day, but ha- they could because Kenny's dealing with injuries anyway. So I feel like, I feel like it would be a good time to kind of get the belt off Kenny. If you just accept that COVID is going to put paid to the belt collector storyline, we're not going to do it properly. Not, not even just COVID. Like, there's also the the fact that they've got to kind of like iron out these like relationships with people. Like, obviously, New Japan have just crowned a new world champion. Are they going to want Kenny to come in and take their belt off Shingo when they're, they're literally making Shingo like the top guy? Yeah. And you've got like NWA. Nick Aldis is the fucking Nick Aldis has got like a monopoly on that belt. There's no way he's going to like. Drop it to Kenny just for this storyline. I know he, I know he dropped it to Corey, uh, Corey Cody for at all out, but or, all in. Sorry, but like that all was more. All right, Danos. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell I've just been watching Danos and the interviewing people. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know he dropped it to Cody at all out, but like it, I don't, I don't see him doing it for a long period of time. Like he dropped it to Cody at all out, and then he won it back like in the first defense Cody had. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's it's just a bit unrealistic. You can't expect all of these different promotions to be able to line up their storyline with your storyline. Yeah, I, 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 that's the other thing as well. Because like Tony Khan's obviously got carte blanche on the story, and he's he's protecting Kenny to the point where Kenny ain't losing no match until he loses that AEW title, in my opinion. And I think, but I think I think all the pieces are sort of clicking into place now. So you've got Andrade here to take the Triple H Championship off him. Mm. If you need him, you've got Hangman ready to go for the AW title. You've got like Moose. You've got Sammy Callahan. Yeah. I, I think you there's. Think, no, um, I think there's not 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 necessarily right now. Not on that this weekend, but I think Moose is taking the Impact title off Kenny eventually. I think that's probably what Moose is. Um, that, that's probably what will be like the crux of Moose resigning that he gets the belt back. Yeah, or he gets he gets the Impact title. It's, it's the thing is to lose the in Impact. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just think more, more to my point. I feel like the wrong faction has all the belts. Is is the point I was trying to make there? Like, I feel like the elite don't really need it. Yeah, and if you're trying to set the pinnacle up as this new like, yeah, elite, not not elite, not like as as the elite, but this new like elite level mega they, faction. Yeah, they they're the kind of main event faction where everyone should be like, they're the people we need to beat. But if they can't be the people we need to beat if they haven't got any titles to beat them for. Yeah, I mean, if if, if over the next sort of six to twelve months, the passage of the belts goes for the main title, it goes from Kenny to Hangman to MJF, and the tag yeah. belts if they go from the books to Proud and Powerful to FTR, I'll have no problem yeah. with that whatsoever. I think that's that's a yeah, perfect way to I, look at. I I think I think that's what they should do. Um, I'm I mean, just keep keep TNT title on the because that's been he's doing for great work with it. Yeah. 
But it, the, the TNT title, it, it almost exists in its own like separate universe yeah. because it's it's a, it's a TV title. It's just defended on Dynamite very regularly. It, 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 it hot shots a bit more because I think I, I would I would have Miro beat the record. I'd have him do ten title defenses. Yeah, I think that's what they're gonna do. And, and then I'd have him drop it to. Oh. Uh, we'll talk about this on the mirror. He's done when we get three to the already, hasn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's well, he's well breaking that record. Just, just to, to close up this pinnacle segment, um, and we'll move, we'll move on. Um, so yeah, he says about Jericho asking for a rematch. He says he's already beat Jericho mm. twice, so Jericho will fuck off basically. And he sort of aligns, he sort of, um, he sort of aligns himself towards Sammy a bit, which is interesting. Because um, it shows the shifting focus and like the, the lines are shifting here a bit. Well, I feel like Sammy MJF's the more compelling match at this point. Yeah, does that mean John because... and Jericho are going to beat the shit out of each other with chairs and baseball bats? I wouldn't mind that to be honest. <laughs> I think that would be quite entertaining. Yep. Um, so yeah, so we're maybe getting some setup for MJF. Sammy. He tells Sammy to keep his name out of his mouth because he's better than him, which is good. Uh, then we get uh, a little video pops up and it's Jericho in the parking lot. He's got his baseball bat. Um, and it, it, he makes a, it makes a good point. He says that uh, MGF bested them with another soliloquy and he can brag about it with his little buddies and he can walk home and it cuts across and all of the inner circle are there with um, some baseball bats and sledgehammers and they just basically beat the shit out of the um, out of the, the, the Pinnacle's limo. Um, Santana stabs one of the tyres. I like the Santana spray-baited El Barzo on the El Barzo side. El on the side of it, yeah, <laughs> which was nice. Um and they bash another windows, and then it cuts away to Hager, who we haven't seen at this point. He's on a forklift. Is he forklift trained? Is he high? We don't even know. Don't worry about it. I mean, he doesn't look like he's forklift trained. He tips the fucking thing over, picking the limo. <laughs> so he, he drives full speed into the limo, stabs it with the forks, lifts it up, sort of shakes it out of it, drops it. It's completely fucked. Like the doors have come off and everything. Um, yeah, and then they all jump on the forklift to give them. A, it was a pretty cool segment to give the camera the middle finger as they drive off. Uh, it, it was really cool. It's like I, I joked earlier, like, but Jericho has been reinvigorated by going on Stone Cold's podcast, and he's just doing all of his sort of mad attitude era shit that he was doing yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I, I like that's that's the thing. Like everyone kind of like shits on AW of it like taking a lot of stuff from like days of your. I know I've. I've in this podcast also done that, um, but I think sometimes they get it. They just get it right, don't they? And this is one of those like instances where they just got it right. Yeah. So then we get Darby and his dad cutting a little promo. He said he's not replacing Sting, so next week he will face Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in a handicap match. Yeah. Sting, um, Sting's such a fucking dweeb, isn't he? Sting's oh. like, what? Why? Why do you? Why? Why? What do you mean, Darby? Why? Why don't you want me to come out with you there? Um, do you want Sting to stay home? So Sting eventually agrees, and yeah. So next week it's gonna be Darby versus. Is it next week? It's next week. Yeah. Yeah. Darby and next week he Page wants. Guy in a handicap yeah, Scorpio guy and Ethan Page versus Darby and handicap match. Yeah, happy days. That'll be that'll be fun. I I, I think they're in for a shock. The Shark Master. Nah, Darby's not coming out with the Shark Master. That's just me fantasy booking. Um, then, then we got a really lovely um, little video package about Evil Uno talking about Brody, which was real, kind of, real, real nice. Yeah, Evil Uno's promos, like he's done a few on Twitter, he's done some on the YouTube channel as well to build this match. Have been fantastic. He's such. I, we've been talking about underrated people like Angelico, um, and I said someone before, I can't remember who it was now. Um, but 
Evil Uno's such a fucking asset to that company. Yeah. Like, he's so he's so good. He's really good talker. He's a really underrated wrestler. Um, he's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, and Mira, again, Mira's promo work in the build of this match has been phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Well. Like, did you see that one? That, yeah. uh, did you see that one he cut the other day where he's outside? And, like, I don't know if he, yeah. ended, if he ended it or it was really lucky, but he ended it with, like, a, a thunderclap in the background. And it, yeah. it was fucking perfect. It was so good. Did you see, did you see Valuno uh, did one back? Yeah. He said, he said, I put that thunderclap in for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, who knows, who knows, always been like a bit of a, his character's always been like a bit of a bumbling sort of henchman, sort of like second in command, number two sort of guy. Yeah, he's like the middle manager of evil, isn't he? Yeah, um, but it's nice to see him like talk quite emotionally and quite and quite candidly about, about his friendship with Brody and like what the yeah. title legitimately means to him, which was really nice. And and about, you know, he's a 17-year veteran. He's been, he's worked his way up. He, 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 used, to be one, he used to be a fucking super smash brother, for fuck's sake. And now he's having yeah. a title show on, on network television, you know. I I really want to do, you know, to win this match, like more than I've wanted anything in AEW. <laughs> and they made me believe, which was oh, the worst part it was, of it. it was they so made cr- me believe. It, it, it was so cool. So, yeah, yeah so we get you get Miro versus Uno for the TNT title. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, starts out with Miro just taking command. Basically, um, he, he basically just no sells Uno's chops. This, that, and the other. Uh, there was a nice bit on the outside when Miro goes swinging just for a wild swing and, and clangs the ring post with his fist, and then Uno manages a, a sort of center off the apron, which is quite nice. Then there was like a little bit where. It was quite clever. So Uno was in the ring and Mira was trying to get back in and Uno was like trying to, like, as soon as he went to go in, he was trying to stomp him and like trying to, sort of, you know, use a, use a bit of tactics because Mira was fucking lunatic. Um, and this went on a couple of times and then eventually Mira could have baited him. So he went to go in and then as Uno went to stomp him, he just grabbed his leg and pulled him out. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which was quite nice. Um, then you had, you had a spot where Uno was down on the outside. And he was sort of struggling to get up. He wasn't going to beat the 10 count. Um, Stu Grayson and Al Ingalls came out. Uh, sort of helped him up, sort of pied him up. And Uno just about rolled in in time. As soon as he rolled in, Miro just rolls out and just absolutely deletes Stu Grayson from existence. Uh, he, yeah, he wiped out. <laughs> just <laughs> sent him clean flying over the barricade. Uh, turned yeah. towards t- towards Ingalls, but he was already like halfway down the, down the tunnel <laughs> at that point, yeah. very sensibly. Um, yeah, um, back into the ring. There was a nice spot where um, Mira put Uno in like a straight jacket, which was really mm. nice. Um, that was quite an extended sort of submission spot. Looked really good. Um, then Uno fired up. He hit a big booth, like Bro Diddy Styley. Got to the top and landed a lovely sent on. Yeah. That was crisp, crisp AF. Uh, Mira kicked out at one. Uh, at that point, the whole Dark Order comes back out. They all they came off the entrance. They all came back out. Even negative ground. one. Even negative one. Ten. St- yeah, Stu sort of crawled around from the outside to get up yeah. onto the ramp. And uh, it was all there, just sort of cheering him on. Um, Mira rolls, you know, up for a near fall. And then there's like a this is it. It's the it's the spot. This is it. You think it's the moment? Miro charges at Uno. Uno. So, oh, so as as so just to set the scene. As Five was running up down the down the ramp, Miro just ripped the thermal pad off one of the thermal and threw it at him. Yeah. Uh, and as he as he runs towards Uno at this point now, Uno sort of sidesteps and Miro goes face first into the exposed thermal, like lands out cold. Uno makes the cover. We all think it's happening. 
2.9 mirror against the shoulder up. That was it's, a really good near fall. Yeah, it 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 it, it got me. <laughs> it really got me. Um, yeah, then Uno goes for the big. He, he does the Brody Lee pose. Yeah. He fires up. He hits the discus lariat. It literally has no effect. <laughs> Miro no sells it. It's not very effective. Oh man, so certain. You see the hearts of the dark order just collectively break <laughs> as one. The, um, the worst part of this was the finish, though. Fuck me, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. So, so um, Miro drops Uno with a forearm, lands a big kick. Puts on the game over, does what he's been doing now, which is sort of leaning back onto his back. And the way he does it is that Uno's got a look negative one in the eyes as he taps. Yeah, so he actually turns him round, doesn't he, before he yeah. puts it on? Um, Absolute scumbag. And he drops back, locks it in, and then as Uno starts to tap, Miro just starts waving at the dark hole. Yeah, as he's as he's got the hold locked in, like oh, it's he's a he's a scumbag, Miro, in the best possible yeah. way. He's an absolute scumbag. real piece of shit. And then he gets the title. As, as, as he gets like... the title, he, he doesn't shoot to the hard cam. He just shows it to all the Dark Order as he as yeah. he holds it up. Oh, hit my feelings going after my boys, the Dark Order. Real, real, real piece yeah. of shit. Miro has <laughs> really, very quickly established himself as one of the better heels in AEW. Like very. This, this is the Miro everyone was clamoring for, though, wasn't it? Like, I, I feel like the journey we got to Miro becoming that as well was good. Yeah, you. I think you have to have that as an initial character because where he's come from now, it's from a point. It's from a place of dissatisfaction and rage. Yeah, and you have to you it, have to give him that sort of like stuttering start to have him become yeah. this, this this absolute monster that he is now. Yeah, it's all. It's almost as if like, obviously, in WWE was very like kind of upset about the direction he was go going in and what they were doing, and it's almost as if like. He had to kind of go through a similar thing in AEW to get to where he is now, where he's like quickly becoming like the final boss of AEW. Yeah. Um, so then we get a, a little quick um, video package of Andrade getting dressed. You know, he wears a suit very well. Hype for that. Uh, next week, he's having a sit down interview with JR. So that'll be fun. Yeah. He had this little sombra suit and gloves on. I was getting fucking yeah, he excited. Put the, he, put, he put the gloves on at the end. When those leather gloves went on, I was like, oof, ooh, yeah. I was I was waiting for him to get the the, uh, the black mask that he has when he wore, wore, wore that suit in New Japan. I love how like they introduced it as let's 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 show you what our new um, our new signing Andrade can do, and they don't have any footage of him because all his independent stuff he was the sombra and he had a mask on, so you can't show that because it doesn't look like him. And obviously, yeah, like one of his last matches on the Indies was when he got. Or, well, say on the Indies in Mexico was when he got unmasked, wasn't it? And they can't show any WWE stuff, obviously, because they're not allowed to use the footage. So there's literally no usable footage of Andrade wrestling without a mask on that they could use for like a hype video. Yeah. Uh, so they literally just had to show him putting his clothes on, um, which is fine. Because he, I guess I said, he wears a suit ex- excellently. So. Yeah, I think I think when he does finally wrestle, he's going to. Because it, it, it wasn't that he was kind of like toned down in WWE, but I think. He's probably going to be kind of like have a like renewed like sense of self because he's obviously been trying to leave WWE for so long and now he has. Yeah, I think he's going to be good. So next up, we have Kenny Omega and Don Callis out to talk about Jungle Boy and the title of the title match. Um, again, decent promo. Um, I think Kenny mm-hmm. Kenny's really finding his feet as like a heel champion again. Now he's he's really delivering really good character work and good promos. Uh, yeah, the, the, his interplay with Don Callis is excellent. He, he, he leans on him just enough to make him to make Don Callis feel like he needs to be there, but he doesn't overshadow him. 
they're, they're doing a really good thing where it feels as if Don Callis is kind of manipulating Kenny into thinking that everyone's against them when in reality they're not. It's just Callis is making him think that. Yeah. Yeah, so they talk about um, how Jungle Boy reminds Kenny of a young version of him and he, he respects him, you know, in a way. But he said that, you know, one day he might be champion, but, you know, it's too soon for him. He doesn't have he doesn't have the guts to get in the ring with him. He doesn't have the, you know, the, the sort of the fight. And all of a sudden, uh, Jungle Boy's music hits and he comes out, gets into the ring. The crowd go nuts. They're singing along. It's great. They're singing along with Tarzan yeah. Boy. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and then... Kenny makes a good point. He's saying, yeah, yeah, Jungle Boy, you're not really a promo guy. Like, what are you doing? You have the confidence to step in the ring with me and, and go, you know, mic for mic. And he said he's got not, knows he's got nothing to say and he sort of prattles on about, you know, he said no one's better on the mic than him. And then he sort of holds the mic to Jungle Boy and says, make it quick because, you know, I'm, I'm, getting, a little, I'm getting a little fed up out here. And all Jungle Boy says is, yeah, you saw too much. Yeah. <laughs> which was perfect, Jungle Boy. Top watching Mania fan, Jungle Boy. Um, yeah, great. And then Omega tries to cheap shot him. Um, Jungle Don, Boy dodges. Don had a really good line as well where he said, hey, you're like Baltimore, you're going to be a one-hit wonder, which was like... <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> top notch. Kenny charges Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy dodges, gets him on the floor, he's about to lock in the snare trap. Again, a move they've still really well protected on AEW, so it's still got that mm-hmm. area of like, threat about it, which is good. As he's about to lock it in, the young books come in to make the save. Jungle Boy bails to the outside. His music hits. Everyone has to put a sing. There we go. Yep. Decent, uh, decent promo. Decent little I'm, I'm really excited for this match. I feel like the, the, they've done a really good job of like making TV matches feel pay-per-view quality recently. Like the Bill to Uno and Miro over like a week was incredible. Um, yeah. And it felt like it felt like it was a pay-per-view match. This is another one where the the building it. I think that they were really smart in moving it because it was meant to be on that that episode of Dynamite, wasn't it? Yeah, they moved it to like the, the last uh, Dynamite of the month for a number of reasons. One, I think, because Kenny's a little banged up, isn't he? Kenny's working with like buggered knees. He's got a hernia. He's got. He said he's had a, like torn um, labrum. He's, he, cut his, he cut his hand quite badly on one of the titles when he was hitting his hand. Yeah, Kenny. The fact, like, I've had a hernia and I literally couldn't move. So how the fuck Kenny Omega's wrestling and wrestling at the level he's wrestling is insane to me. Like, yeah, I say this has worked out quite well because I think this is going to be the last of the displaced dynamite. So they're moving it to Saturday night instead of Friday night. It's going to have a bit more of a mm-hmm. sort of Saturday night's main event sort of feel like a big special. Which interestingly, Saturday night is the night that the um, TNT they're going to do the specials. Yeah, next year. Yeah. So it's sort of like a nice sort of like primer for that. Um, yeah. I think yeah, I think they made the best out of the situation with with, with all this. Um, and I'm looking forward to the match. It really does feel like it. It's like a pay per view match. If it feels almost more. Like more important than the triple threat at yeah. double or nothing. I'll give you that. Certainly got more build. Yeah. Um, so next up, I mean, you talk about inspired pairings. We've got Jay Cargo with Smart Mark Sterling. Smart Mark Sterling is the best. I love him. I love this. Um, <laughs> he's, saying so about how, he's saying about how he's revenue's so already up 40 percent across the board now that he's joined the team. Uh, they've got rid of all the hangers on. Um, should be a household name across all media, not just pro wrestling. And Jade said the first thing they need to capitalize on is hair catchphrase. And Mark said, yep, we get residuals every time anyone says it. So he says, Jade, say it. So Jade says, yep, because she's that bitch. And I love this. This was just simple. It, was not, it wasn't complicated. 
it was just just kept Jade in everyone's mind, which is just what you what you need. Yeah, I I get the impression that probably building Jade up to not take the belt off Rip, but whoever takes the belt off Rip. Yeah, she'll, Jade, she'll, she'll, Jade's going to be the person to take it off them. Whichever face beats Brit, she'll be the big heel, like opponent. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was fine. Then we get another quick promo, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Um, so Sky said that he gave Darby opportunity to find a partner that wouldn't do all the work for him. But because he's a, you know, he, he, got, all, he got all moody and sensitive, he couldn't do that right. Um, he said he's done a lot of dumb things like jump up buildings, but this is the dumbest thing he's ever done. Ethan Page said that actions have consequences. Um, it was Ethan Page versus Darby? Do it. Yeah. Um, Make gonna, it happen, you pricks. He's going to pin him in the ring, and bit by bit, they'll chop him down and raise themselves to the next level. And he says it's only it's only up from here for the men of the year. Which it's a nice little, nice little catchphrase. And then I, I, the thing I love about this is like Scorpio Sky just snaps his fingers and it just cuts the black. And I love that's been like a theme they've carried through their whole like sort of time as, as a, a sort of unit, which is really nice. Yeah. So what's interesting is Scorpio Sky hasn't signed a new deal yet, has he? Uh, no, I mean I'm sure it's elementary. He's he said he, he he's made a point of saying though he's in the last year of his contract. So yeah, but if you read the interview, he basically said he, he didn't phrase it in like as in like I'm in the last year of my contract. I'm looking for my options. He basically said I'm in the last year of my contract. I now need to show my value to this company. So yeah, that they, no, that's what I'm, that's yeah. what I mean. So like it's really cool that they're doing like they're making him, him feel like a big deal. Yeah, like it. it if, so if obviously, there's, obvious, guy, there's obviously a lot of mutual faith on both sides. Uh, you know, it's not yeah. like a. That's it. If I'm Scorpio Sky, like the the making him want to stay, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. So next up, we get uh, Lance Archer just annihilates Jobber in like a minute. Um, Chandler Hopkins, I think his name is, three year veteran. Yeah. Um, basically, just gets in the ring, chokes Lance in, hits the blackout. There you go. You don't even get to hear his music properly. It, it's over uh, that quickly. I'm sad that he didn't throw him out the entrance like he did Zicky Dice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, sound. It just it just, keep, it just rebuilds because obviously Archer he, he took a loss against Miro, so he's got to sort of build back up against his monster. That's fine. They're doing they're doing a good job there. Um, then next up, something I'm quite intrigued to see now. We've got so if you if you're a long term uh, BT watcher, you'll be aware of a, a wingman, which is the faction of Nick Nemeth, not Nick Nemeth, Brian Nemeth, the other one, fake one. All right, it's now I'm, I'm using I'm using the um, PW Torch. Um, Notes to sort of keep the show in my head, and they, yeah. they've, they've written Nick Nemeth because they're idiots. Um, yeah, come on, Cal, get it together, mate. Um, so Ryan Nemeth, you've got Caesar Bononi, who is trying to be a heel, but considering like his literally his wife's literally just gone through treatment for cancer, is literally the biggest one of the biggest baby faces on the planet. And we, we wish his yeah. wife a, 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 a swift recovery, by the way. Um, I know she got to, she got discharged from hospital the other day, which is great news. Um, Peter Avalon, pretty Peter Avalon, and um, the the very pretty JD Drake. Yeah, I I love him. Um, I love this faction because they're like that. They're basically um, fuck. What was the what was that faction he sweated at in WWE a couple of years ago? The social outcasts. Yeah, they're basically that, but they're like charmers. It's fucking brilliant. I love those segments on BT a few weeks ago where they were all going to like a hotel room to do yoga. Yeah, and it turned out that the book that they bought was actually the Karma Sutra. Yeah. <laughs> they checked in one of them and like, oh no, they're trying another one. Oh no, oh no, and then they always left. <laughs> yeah, um, they're, they're really like they've got really good chemistry together, and for for just like kind of like a group that have been thrown together, like 
but no, it was originally just Peter and Benoni, wasn't it? And then yeah. Peter took some time off, and um, Nemeth and Drake came, like, kind of come into it. Um, but yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're just they're just your comedy heels, basically, aren't they? That's they're, they're a really good foil for the best friends as well, which is yeah. great. That they're so, like, so yeah, what's, what's intriguing is they're calling out Orange Cassidy in this promo, saying that he is the worst dressed um, star in AW, he needs a makeover. Um, and they said they'll rearrange his wardrobe, and then Caesar Bononi says if he refuses, he'll rearrange his face. Yeah, Bononi had a black eye as well, didn't he? Yeah, he must. It must have been uh, <laughs> something from a match. Uh, and then JD Drake just chips in and goes, "Oh yeah, he'll do it." <laughs> it's just it's just really nice. So yeah, if, if we're getting a little wingman versus best friend feud, I'm really up for this. Uh, I think it'll be really yeah. fun. I think it'll just be pure entertainment. I'm all, I'm all about it. Peter Avalon, someone who like I don't think gets used enough as well. So I'm really glad to see they're doing something. Oh, I think you put you put Peter Avalon and Chucky T in the same segment, and you're only good. One. <laughs> well, if if you follow uh, Brandon Cutler's YouTube channel, they play D and D together on Critical Botch. They do, and the shit they get up to is fucking brilliant. <laughs> they they stole someone's B and B. Fair play. <laughs> they, they stole a bed and breakfast on the first episode. It was wedding. <laughs> killed everybody and stole it. <laughs> Um, right next up, in, in terms of matches that I didn't know I wanted until I saw them advertised, um, we have legit Layla Hirsch versus the Native Beast Nala Rose. It's a um, fucking banger. Yeah, again, it starts out again quite quite hilariously. So Vicky Guerrero brings out a little step stool for Layla. Yeah, and puts it on the ramp. Uh, at first, like, she put it down, and I was like, "What's that for?" And then, like when Layla came out and picked it up and threw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, because Layla's dead small." I, I'm intrigued to see how Nyla and Andrade. Are going to coexist with Vicky as like the manager? Are they going to be I'm completely sure. separate entities? I, or I'm, well, I'm not sure Vicky and Andrade are a thing going forward. I think that might have just been a one-off. No, because she introduced them as a new client. Did she? Well, she wasn't yeah. anywhere near his promo today. His promo package. Yeah, well, I think that's just more just because it was a sizzle reel. It'll be inter- interesting to see what they do though. Um, I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we never if we didn't see Andrade and Vicky together again. I think it was just a, a sort of last yeah. minute a last minute thing that you have to throw someone in there to introduce him. Yeah, I certainly don't think they need them. Or they, they need each other rather. But it would be cool to see if if um that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, yeah, this match this match was great. Um yeah. I'm a big, big Layla Hirsch fan. Uh, she's really she's impressed brilliant. me over the last over the last so months. Uh, it's great to see her getting a, a really high-profile match here, and, and you know, all right, she didn't win, spoiler, but she looked pretty good considering you know, Nyla's yeah, like the, pretty dominant. The, the basically the story was every time Nyla went for a big power move, Layla like reversed into an armbar. Yeah, that was pretty much like the the crux of the match. She, but she was she um, was sort of living on the edge of it. Was always the sort of feeling like she was one missed yeah. counter away from it all going horribly wrong. Like she she just about dogs <laughs> like the, the the rising knee. She just about dodged you know a couple like you say a couple of big massive power moves. Um, she hit a really nice moonsault. Um, yeah, sort of springboardy sort of thing, which was quite nice. Um, but then again, talk about authoritative kickouts. Nyla Rose she sort of leads over and grabs the rope like, like like it was nothing which was really yeah. cool um yeah we're getting really good power Nyla's such again Nyla's underrated man because like you think oh she's just a power wrestler but she, she can do so much more she's yeah she's like got such a like really good like quick game to her isn't she like when she does when she does like really fast paced offense she like she does surprise you because she's generally just hossing it isn't she yeah um, so yeah, the match sort of worked its way up to the top turnbuckle um, where Nyla 
they sort of found themselves both on the top rope now. They headbutted Layla, and then just hits an avalanche beast bomb off the second rope. Yeah, Le- Layla goes for a top rope hurricane runner, and like as she like drops down, Niles just like, nah, what are you doing? And like yeah. Layla's face, like the the absolute fear of like knowing she was about to die <laughs> was fucking brilliant. And then yeah, avalanche beast bomb looked incredible. Um, the, these two had such good chemistry together. I hope we get a rematch somewhere yeah, down the they, line. They, they really did, and, and obviously they talked on commentary a lot about the size difference. Obviously, Layla is—I think she's under five foot, isn't she? She's not tall. She's four eleven. And obviously, Nyla's an, an, an enormous monster. <laughs> but they, they they had a really good dynamic, and they, like you said, they had really good chemistry, and, and they worked really well together. Yeah, I'd love to see Layla Hirsch versus Shayna Baszler at some point. Oof. And I would like, I know it's not possible at the moment, but yeah. hopefully in the future. Um, that was to just tear the house down. Yeah. Then after that, we cut straight away to, uh, to keep the women's division on our mind. We cut to Britt Baker backstage with Red, Red Rebel, uh, being interviewed by Tony. Um, she, she's furious that Nyla ruined her celebration. And then she also called out Nyla for making fun of Layla, which was kind of cool that they brought it back to the match that just happened, which was which was quite nice. Um, she said, however, Nyla looked good flipping burgers last week, so that's what she should stick to, make it a career going forward. Nice little, nice little burn there. Uh, and then she dropped a really cool line. She said that, obviously, Nyla was a previous champion. And she said, when Nyla was the champion, the belt made Nyla. But now that Brit's the champion, she makes the belt. Yeah. Which, oof, that was that was really nice. I, I, I love that saying anyway. Um, and yeah, the fact that Brit used that. Um, was brilliant. I, I loved as well at the end of the promo when she she like basically got Tony to do DMD with her. <laughs> yeah, Tony just continues to be a really good mate, which is again like a really yeah. cool bit of continuity they kept for like over a year now, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just for the main yeah. event, we had a rundown of next week's show. So we're getting Darby in the handicap match with Sky and Ethan. We're getting the books and the Good Brothers versus Kaz Kingston, Penta, and Pack. Yeah. We're getting Cassidy versus Benoni, Wardlow v. Hager, Cody and Brock Anderson versus Marshall and Solo, and JR interviewing Andrade. All of that to come on next week's Dynamite, which I should be a good time. Um, and then we have the main event. Um, what a main event it is. Um, really, really fun match. Uh, we start out with some banging oh. entrances. How many times did you have to change the battery in the hustle arm in this Oof, It was. I mean, I had the window open and it was hot, so it was, I, think, I, think, I think I kind of got away with it. Um, get, get a team towel and start the <laughs> So we had we had team towels out first, just Hobbs and um, Cage, no, no, no one else at this point. Um, they come out and they're all sort of buddy-buddy, bro-fisting, whatever. Taz makes way up to commentary. Um, then we get Ten come out by himself. Um, no, no Dark Order. And then, Jesus Christ, we have another atomic pop for Hangman. Oh, man. Hang- Hangman's, like, that's the thing. Like, we were talking about it on the news because Troy obviously doesn't follow AEW, like, that closely, but he does follow it. And I was saying, like, I, I think Hangman's ready now. Like, I-, I feel like by the time we get to All Out in front of fans, Hangman's going to be, like, the most over he's going to be. Yeah, you've almost got to be careful that you don't, like, overextend it too much and you don't let him cool down. Yeah, you don't don't do what Ring of Honor did, where people were clamoring for someone to win the title, and they wait they wait two years, and then people just don't care because it's like, well, why are you doing this now? When we've yeah. been wanting it for like years, like Roddy Strong. 
like Seth Rollins, well, Tyler Black, Tyler Black. Um, like Eddie Edwards, like Davey Richards. Yeah, yeah, like everybody. <laughs> like CM every, Punk. Like everybody who won the belt two later <laughs> Ring of Honor. Because um, you can't win the belt until you get your fourth title match now for some weird reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. I think it's, you know, if, if, they, if, they, if, they, if they get the book and right and they line it all up, I think they can absolutely have Hangman yeah, ready to win the belt well, all out. Hangman's currently ranked second. So you've got to think that after the Jungle Boy match, Hangman's going to be next in line. Barring, so that'll be that'll be almost barring any like unforeseen circumstances. That, like that, Brian that, Cage that'll be like that'll be a two month build as well, which is plenty of time to like make it seem enormous. Yeah, uh, and and um, as well, the other thing is um, that it'll be two years to Hangman having the, the title match against Jericho, so it'll be nice, like kind of and a, a nice parallel, basically. Then, then and now, yeah, yeah. So we get this, me- this mega pop on when he comes in, um, yeah. And yeah, we, we get a we get a really really fun tag match out of this. Out of this, it's 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 really really good. Uh, you get again. Um, Hangman and Cage work really well together. They start off, and, and it's 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 all this. It's basically the double or nothing match. It's um, it's all the same slickness you got from that. Mm. Again, frequently. Impressed by a how quick Cage can move, and b how versatile and good at like big moves Hangman is as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, hang, the Hangman can. Like, I, I say, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I say it all the time. Hangman can do everything. Like he can wrestle every style in the book, and um, and he's, he's just phenomenal. Hangman's like the guy you want to be your top, your top guy. Yeah, because you can have a good match with anybody, like absolutely yeah. anybody. He's, he's that he, for me. He's like uh, AW's like answer to Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Like Drew McIntyre is like so like versatile and so adaptable that he can have a good match with pretty much anyone on the card, and it, it, it like and it's different. And I feel like that's what Hangman is to AW. Like he's a he's their kind of like franchise player, so to speak. Yeah. So like in this match, he brawls, he hits suplexes, he hits a standing shooting star. <laughs> you know, he does it all. And then Cage as well. Cage's a freak athlete, and like he um. Mm. He's he's just like catching people out the air. He hits ten with a six one nine, which is nuts. Um, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, so it's it kind of Hobbs looked like really good in this match as well. Like they yeah. they've improved. It's been nice to see them kind of growing in front of our, our eyes. But they've improved so much recently. And ten like at the start when they were like posing for the for, at the start. Ten looked really emotional as well. Like you could see his eyes. Mm. He looked like he looked like this meant a lot to him. Yeah. Which is it's good to see. I mean, he's he's um he's he's had a very sort of expedited push almost since since Brody passed. Obviously, with his sort of association with Negative One being his favorite wrestler, etc. Uh, obviously, there's there's a lot of there's a genuine like proper brother brotherly friendship between the two of them as well, which is which is really nice to see. Um, I don't know if you saw as well. There was a um there was a comment on on the social media by Amanda Hoover uh, this week. Someone asked why Negative One hadn't been a lot of dynamite taping certainly, and apparently it's because he was you slacking off in school, so he didn't get to go. Fair enough. But apparently, he finished out his year with all A's and B's, so that was his reward. He got to go to um to dynamite for these tapings. So fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> good, good kid. Good kid. He's gonna be a future AW World Champion for sure. 
Aye. Um, so yeah, this, this match is really good back and forth action. Um, like I say, everyone's, it's really weird seeing Hangman is like easily the the smallest guy in a match. Like yeah. with four, with four people in, <laughs> he's just like this like little this little cruiserweight almost in this land of giants. Yeah. In, in this well, match, that, that's that's the thing with Hangman, isn't it? Like he he's, he wrestles like a horse, but he's not a huge guy. Yeah. Like he he, he looked bigger because he was like in the elite and he was the biggest of the lot of them but they're not like big guys either yeah <laughs> yeah so we, we cut to a break and then when we get back they point out in commentary that during the break um, Ricky Starks and Hook have come down to the ring to support Team Taz Ricky Starks in a stunning mauve suit oh it's it's fire it's absolute it's fire a suede mauve suit in the Florida sun because he's too hot to fucking handle no shirt obviously <laughs> just jacket no and pants shirt. His cat's a deed, as Aaron would say, because his fucking pants are halfway up his legs. <laughs> Got his little loafers on. Bless him. Yep. Absolutely um, Ricky Star. A fucking mega star waiting to happen. Just do it. Do it, Con. So we get to a point where um, Cage and Hobbs hit a high-low combination on 10 for a very close two count. Hangman comes in to break it up. Then Hook enters and distracts the ref. That's just going on. Uh, Ricky Stark slides Cage the FTW title, and we get a replay, a replay of um, the double or nothing spot. Cage refuses to use it, and he just launches it out the ring. Like he not only disrespects Ricky Starks, but he disrespects the FTW title as well. Yeah, I think this is finally Cage leaving Team Taz, isn't it? Yeah, well, he, he literally just throws it like out the ring. Um, mm. It almost kills the camera as well. It lands like very yeah. close to the camera. <laughs> After this, Ricky Starks does his best, like. Fucking furious face, which is Ricky Stark's got a really good outrage face. I like it. Yeah. Um. He sort of walks up onto the onto the ramp, and he, he's arguing with Cage, and he just slaps the taste out of Cage's mouth. Yeah. And then Cage it's... just chases him, and, Rick, and yeah, Ricky then... Ricky Stark's just face was I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Stark runs for his fucking life back down the tunnel. Uh, Cage yeah. Cage chases him away. He's out. Um. So then back in the ring. Hobbs hits a huge spine buster on 10. Uh, Hangman breaks it up. Hobbs throws Hangman out of the ring. Um, sort of, yeah, and then him and him and 10 have a little bit of a bit of an exchange. 10 gives him a lovely, like a ripcord cutter. Yeah, that which, awesome. was, which was really cool. Uh, then Hangman hits with the bookshot. 10 makes the cover. 10 gets, 10 gets up in. That bookshot was out of fucking nowhere as well. Yeah, they, they did a really good job of framing that with the camera, so you literally didn't see Hangman on the side. He just got, comes in out of nowhere yeah. and nails him, which was really good. Yeah. Um, yep, so Hangman gets hits the bookshot, 10 gets the pin, 10 gets the win. Um, afterwards, the Dark Order come back out with beers, water for negative one and Colt. And they yeah, all celebrate. I like that. thought that was good. Um, and they all drink some beers yeah. on the stage and have a good time. <laughs> John Silver's tweet was, I got to drink beer on television today. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that's that's where we go. finish um, the show. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously, as you said, it looks like this is definitely the, the final nail in the Brian Cage Team Taz relationship. Yeah, I, I feel like this was a really good kind of episode for like moving things along as well. Yeah. Like it was, it, it was, it wasn't, there wasn't anything like major that really happened. But 
it was just like really good like storytelling moving the story along yeah again we've said this a lot of times on dynamite sometimes they just book a really solid show that just does everything you want it to do there's no mad like there's no mad ex- like explosions of, of, of randomness it's just solid yeah. it's just it's just solid dependable writing and, and good matches and it's that's everything you want yeah i thoroughly enjoyed the show yeah so um yeah what your highs and lows then please jay if you want to sum it up um so my high would probably be fuck it, Miro and you know, it was a really good match, really good storytelling. I was absolutely invested in it, even though I knew Miro was gonna win. I was cheering Uno on. Um thinking he was thinking he had it. Um especially after he put the tweet out saying the TNT are gonna have to change their bio. Um <laughs> It was, it, yeah. He, he, you know, he, did, like, he did the little Twitter summoning circle as well. He did. Did you see that? That was a, that was a nice little throwback. I enjoyed he, that. He, Evil Uno was like kind of, it, it was kind of the match that put him on the map for me. Like, as far as I, I've, I've been an Evil Uno fan since like the Shikara days when he's player, you know. But I feel like this was the match that made everyone kind of, that's made everyone kind of go, oh, fuck, Uno can go. Like, I, I feel like that that that's his like kind of crowning moment in AEW for me. And uh, credit to Uno as well; he's gotten in really good shape over the last yeah. like, twelve months. He's really leaned up, and he's really he's he's a lot, doing a lot more in ring now than I think he ever has. Yeah, like he did a kip up Hurricane Rana. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> you he, know he's yeah he's just so good. He's really underrated. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed that match. They made me believe the cunts. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> my low was probably probably just the Kenny Omega stuff. I'm kind of getting not bored of it, but I'm like not as invested in it as I was when it first started. Fair enough. Yeah. That's what about you? Um for a high just I mean, I really did enjoy Miro, you know. Like that was the match that had me the most invested, I think. Mm-hmm. But my favorite Bell to Bell match was probably the triple the, the trios match. Yeah. I just liked all the, I, I just liked all the moving parts. I think they did a really good job of sort of making it all sort of come together cohesively. It could have been a mess, it could have fallen apart. Mm. I think they told all, a really good story. I think all the guys involved did a really good job of keeping it as, as cohesive as possible. Um yeah. So I'll give them the credit for that. I say that was probably my favorite. That was the match I enjoyed the most. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. enjoy the, the mirror one because I knew it was just going to end horribly. Um and the low, um, again, there's nothing really. This was this was a, again another one of those shows where nothing really dips below a certain standard. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick something, I'd probably just say just because because I'm all trendy about the internet, I'll probably just say I guess I'll probably just say the Cody promo again. Oh shit! I forgot all about the Cody promo. <laughs> um, it, again, it wasn't. It, it was it was the best Cody segment we've had for some time. But it was still, yeah. it was still like one of the weaker parts of the show. Just because, just because, you know, it's the it's the storyline I'm least invested in. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm psyched that um, on Sunday to wrestle. I think that'll be really cool. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. But I just don't give a. F- I mean, they've, they've literally done nothing to make me believe the factory are a legitimate threat. So why should I care? No, that's the thing, isn't it? They're literally like a faction that's been put together for Cody to beat. Yeah. That's that's how they feel, and the only person who feels like. Uh, Real threat is a go-go, and then Cody fucking used to them. Yeah, so I'm sorry, AW. If you um, if you want me to believe, if you want me to buy into your faction rivalry, you need me to make me believe they can actually win. So 
There's no no fucking chance no no fucking no fucking chance in hell is QT Marshall beating Cody in that strap match. They're they're literally just there to be a foil to Cody and Dustin, aren't they? Yeah. Just just a bit shit. But yeah, all in all, um after the sort of oddness of last week's dynamite, this was a real return to form. I think they I think they really hit it out of the park this week. Um Yeah. I think everything they brought worked. I think all the matches were good. Uh, like you said, all the storytelling, it moved everything along really well. It's, it's always a bit weird because obviously they have such a long time comparatively between pay-per-views in AEW. Yeah. You almost get the feeling like they have to almost pace themselves. They've got with a kind of, development. Yeah, they're kind of just plodding, aren't they, at times? But when, um, they, when, when, they sort of, when they sort of get into the stride like they do here, I think it, it, it's, it, they, make, they make some really effective television and it, it, just, it, it ends up with a really, really good show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, fe- I feel like next week's probably going to be a pretty good show as well. Like, it's there's nothing really like the thing with this show was there wasn't other than like the TNT title match, there wasn't anything that really felt major happening. But yeah. then everything kind of just worked, and I feel like that's the same next week. There's nothing. It's so weird. There's nothing that feels major. But... On pa- on paper, I was so much more hyped for last week's card than this week's. Yes, yeah, this week's show was ten times the show that last week's was. Last week's was just odd, though, wasn't it? It just yeah. felt like. If last week's to, to put it into um, to put it into what you would call it to put it into a into a, a sort of format that we'd understand, like if AW if Double or Nothing was like your massive night out, last week's show felt like the, the hangover the next day. Yeah, and this week's show is when you when you finally muster up the courage to get back on it and go out again. Yeah, yeah. This week's show is when you're having a full English with a pint. You've had your tactical sick in the morning, and you've you've, you've had the brekkie, and you've had you've got your first pint down you, and you're good to go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Um, but it was a it was a it was a really good show this week. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and if you would like a really, to really sorry. good four hour block of wrestling on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a shame that no one's a shame, well. no one, shame that no one's going to piss and watch it because it literally finished at midnight US time. I was I was up last night and I was like, all right, I'll be I don't have to be in the brewery till like till like mid midday today. So I'll say I'm watching AW. Got to like yeah. got to like ten o'clock and I'll I'll check fights what time it's on. And it's like, That's oh no, it's not until three. It's not until three in the morning. I'm like, all right, fuck that then. Yeah, I I watched SmackDown because I was still up. I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just watch AW. See how long it can last. What like watch the rest in the morning and I end up just watching the whole show. Fair um, enough. Yeah. And then going to bed. But no, it was a really strong show. Um, but yeah, that was AW. Thank you as always for joining us. Your support really does mean a lot. Um if you want to tell us what you thought of the show, you might think we're absolutely full of it. And Miro versus Evil Uno wasn't a great story, and in that case, you can go fuck yourself. Uh but you can tell us over on Twitter at Untitled Rest Pod or Discord at Untitled Rest Pod or Facebook Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Um, at time of recording, NXT Takeover is tomorrow. We will be doing a watch along. Um, it promises to be a very good show. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And now a word from our sponsors. Do you like beer? Of course you do. Do you like wrestling? You wouldn't be here if you didn't. Check out topropebrewing.com, our very own Big Tasties brewery. They do a great deal of wrestling-themed beers, including Cold Stone Cream Austin Ice Cream Pale Ale and Papa Mango Mango Pale Ale also. They also do an array of T-shirts, masks, cans, and mini kegs. Check out topropebrewing.com, or if you live in the Liverpool area, 
go to the brew tap in bootle and thatchface.com where if you've got a minging beard you can get beard balms oils and grooming kits they also do apparel if you put whatever you want in your basket and then go aaron where do you get your discount? You go into the promo code at the bottom, type in UWP20 for 20% off. And proceeds of your purchase do go to test out your cancer charities. <laughs>